Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. I'm Shanaz Parak and you're listening to AccidentalMuslims.com. Assalamu alaikum, Shanaz, thank you for joining us. Wa alaikum salam, it's a pleasure to be here. Zahir. Assalamu alaikum, Shanaz, assalamu alaikum, Khalil, always great to be here. So, how we, how we usually start is we ask the most difficult question first, and that who is Shanaz Barak? Sure, that's high grade. <laughs> <laughs> so, I would say that Shanaz Barak is um, a daughter a sister, um, a friend, humanitarian, um, Pisces, and a person I think who's, I'm passionate about living and living the best possible life that I can, um, and also making a difference in the world, however big or small it may be. I'm going to go straight into another difficult question. How would you describe Shanaz Park in three words? Um, I'd say... Passionate, committed, um, I wouldn't say crazy, but I'd say pretty much focused, um, and then some. Passionate, committed, committed. Yeah, you're right, was it crazy? Crazy. <laughs> I could say crazy and then, mm. <laughs> then some. Okay. You two really get very unique answers <laughs> on the show. I'm I like that. Why crazy? I think. It comes from me always wanting to be different, think out the box, do things differently. Sometimes people see it as being rebellious or going against the grain, but it's not actually that. It's, it's just a matter of you applying your mind differently um, compared to the way others would. Sometimes it doesn't go down too well when you come up with ideas that maybe seem a bit whack. I think sometimes leaders need to be a bit crazy. But I think the key is just to make sure that your team shares that crazy vision of you. I think so. I agree. I think craziness in large groups works. Singular? No, maybe not so much. <laughs> if you go back, if you think about um, you're in school, did you always think that you're going to be humanitarian, going to maintain work or disaster management, disaster relief, or giving back to the community service? I think so. Um, I think I've, I've always had um, what my mom and I call a very soft heart, um, which um, did I, I think from an early age, I've empathized with people in different situations. Um, when I was in school, there were a lot of outreach projects I was involved in um, on campus. I remember um, the early days of sandwich making for hospitals and, and the rest of it. So I think there, there was very much an interest to want to be involved in some way. I just never knew it would be in the NGO sector. I knew I wanted to do social work, but I, I didn't think much further than that. So. I, I'm slashing onto your sandwich making days at university. Mm. Um, I recall my sandwich making days as well. And uh, I asked this question to, her, to another Shanaz. I think you may know her when she was here. But... Um, how important is that um, preparation, not only for for work at university, but for the social sort of uh, initiatives 
at university, being part of any sort of humanitarian group, be it the MSA or any sort of um, relief organization at university. Mm-hmm. Maybe take us to that because many of our listeners are potential university students, mm-hmm. high school students, perhaps related to them as well. I think um, when it Islamically what comes to mind immediately is love for your brother, what you love for yourself. And that can apply to Muslims, non-Muslims across the board. And it's really important, I think, for, for the youth to get involved in these initiatives from the outset, simply because when you enter the real world and when you actually see what's out there, it's a matter of humanity. You've got to be able to empathize but be moved enough to do something about it. Um, you know, it's, it, very often you come across scenarios where I've experienced it myself, where you bec- may become desensitized to something. And in, in actual fact, you could be sitting with the answer to help somebody's life. And, and why not? We live in a time, I mean, I think where there's so much going on in the world. There's so many people in need. There's so many people who need things, want things, children need things, countries. Um, so every bit of help is welcome. And I just think people need to open themselves up to just be human. I think it's as simple as that. I think today's Juma uh, lecture, the Khati was mentioning just exactly that point, I think, in terms of, you know, when someone knocks on your door and asks you maybe for food or, or money, we sometimes see them as a nuisance. Or if they knock at your window, your car window. Yeah, you know, you know sometimes the security reasons we don't open or for whatever reason, but the Khati point he was trying to make was by you, one, personally interacting in a positive manner with mm-hmm. the, 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 that individual, one, it's an act of worship. And two, that individual could have been God sent. So instead of looking at it all the time as a nuisance, look at it as a God sent, an opportunity to worship again. And, and I think in the humanitarian sector, in the NGO sector, I think that's something we always have to do is love for our brother. Like, in a, uh, yeah, 100%. It's really important. You and I have a penny appeal, but before we go to penny, penny appeal, we're also with Islamic relief quite some some time, couple of, um, lots of years. Close to a decade. Yeah, yeah. Almost yeah. a decade, maybe a few months short of. Yeah. What was your role there at Islamic Relief? Um, and how was it working for, for, your, uh, for a huge organization like that? Um, well, it was, I think it was fantastic um, working at Islamic Relief, really. Um, it, it was. Um, I joined the organization um, after working for one of South Africa's leading national NGOs, SANZAF. So I en- actually entered the NGO sector working for SANZAF as a oh. development worker. And then um, I entered Islamic Relief um, after about four years or so. So when I entered, it was as a marketing officer. And then um, in the formative years, there was a lot to do. So, you know, the, the dual roles and multitasking of it. And I think pretty much it, it was it was good. It was awesome. Uh, lots of lessons learned, um, lots of memories. Um, the same goes for Sanzaf. I think each place you work um, leaves you with different experiences, um, leaves you a lot more enlightened. Now that I look back, I think both of those played an integral role um, to, to bring me to where I am today. Um, but it was pretty good, uh, I'd say. A good decade of Islamic relief, <laughs> definitely. You mentioned uh, lots of memories. Mm. So, let's, let's, if you can think about it, what was like your most inspiring moment? Or uh, uh, there's 
There's so have many. Been, sorry, mm-hmm. have you ever been on, on the field, on the yeah, ground? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I think if I look back at inspiring moments, um, there's like a string of them, you know. Um, if I look at examples, Sansaf, um, I would say to you, um, it, it's the look of of joy on um, a client's face or a rights holder's um, face when they tell you that they've actually made a profit for the first time after getting their business um, startup awarded to them. Or it's the um, a man coming to tell you that this is the first month he can pay his rent because he's been placed in employment. You know, it's, it's those things that... Because then only do you actually realize or you see your charity in motion, you know, in action. You see what it's actually doing to change lives. If you look at Islamic Relief... Um, majority of the work focused with, with children and communities. So things like orphans iftar, spend, actually spending time with them, um, you know, having a laugh with them, seeing how happy they were when they got mountains of chocolates and sweets, which is like a luxury for them and a sugar rush, but it's mm-hmm. fine. But uh, things like that. And I think it's right to say that the best memories definitely come from interactions, from the field, um, from experiences, working on projects and seeing results. For me, that's the driver, and that's what implants in my mind. Um, I think even things like the first orphans eat shopping that was planned in Durban, and then we did it in Johannesburg in Cape Town. Phenomenal success. Um, kids had new clothing for Eid. People got to interact with them, and they were genuinely happy. And, and for me, um, you know, when you're an event coordinator, you're running all over the place. But when you just stop and take a look and you see what's happening around you and you see kids smiling and talking and members of the public or people having conversations with them, that's stuck in my mind because in that instant you've actually merged two different worlds, um, both of which are happy. So, you know, those are memories I take with me. Ah, beautiful memories. And only on day you can see the, the real impact. That's, it. That, that's when it makes sense to yeah. you and that's when you realize why you've got to keep doing what you're doing and driving that much harder because the end result, it's, it's worth it, definitely. You know what else is beautiful, Khalil? I think the word rights holder. I'm always fascinated by that term because often when we look at people like orphans, they uh, victims, they this, they that. But the rights holders, maybe take us through that. That's quite interesting. So in the different places that I've worked, we've always referred to people that receive assistance in whatever form as either beneficiary because they're benefiting or a rights holder. So a rights holder, the thinking is to to change that mindset of just giving and it's to restore dignity and to say that this person, it's actually their right, it's their haq to receive and it's your duty, the roles are now reversed. So in your mind, they're thinking it's your duty to serve them because it's their right. Yeah. And I, I always try and keep that at the front of my mind, you know, that no matter what, it's their right, it's their hack. They have right over you. They have right over where you're working. And it's so important to know that. Um, working at my first job at Sandoff, we were constantly reminded of it because you're working with Zakar. And there's seven categories of Zakar, and they have right over you to that as well. Um, so it, that's basically the term rights holder. They, they hold the rights. It's absolutely beautiful. And you're, you're restoring dignity to a person that would need help. You know, a lot of times we, we tend to perceive, maybe some people don't, but most people do perceive people that need help as being on a lower level, um, you know, desperately so need, desperate. No, no. I think the moment we understand 
that we're merely vessels um, that the Almighty uses to fulfill work. That's all you are in the larger scale of things. All of us, just a vessel in whichever way it can be um, to do his work. Absolutely beautiful. I like that shift in mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can implement that and the listeners can implement that, say the guy knocks on your door another time, or anybody, for instance, next time you visit Sansa or, or, um, or Islamic Relief or Penny Appeal, whichever organization you're going to support, when you're giving that money, don't think of it just giving the money. Mm-hmm. Giving the yeah. back, so to speak. And, and, and that's it, absolutely brilliant. That person, or that, not even the person, that act, you don't know who's making what du'a for you. Yeah. And all we need is people's good du'as, not bad du'as. And you never know which act is going to be your entry to Jannah. Mm. And that's what we strive for. So, inshallah, you know, just give it your best shot mm-hmm. and do good. And it's not Allah choosing the rights holder only. Allah's choosing you, you. Yes. Okay, handing it over to that opportunity knocks. So yeah, for sure. Take us through that decision. So you're sitting now in Islamic Relief, uh, you know, 10 <laughs> years. Uh, I know it's a tough, you know, you know, I'm actually going through that at the moment, 10 years with my, with my, with my company. Mm-hmm. How do you take us through that decision of saying, okay, look, there's an opportunity now, penny appeal. How did you make that decision? How long did it take? <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> it really took a while. Um, and if you're Pisces like me, then you're emotionally attached to everything around you. So uh, for the longest time, I, I thought that is what defined me. And I had reached a stage in my life where I thought, firstly, you're getting old. And secondly, I used to tell myself that. And secondly, um, what, what else is out there? Um, so I was fine where I was, but I also realized that it was okay to want to look elsewhere. And I think I realized it was okay when I came to the realization that it's not about where you are, which organization you align to. It's about you being able to fulfill that function effectively wherever you are and still getting the Almighty's blessing, still for His pleasure. And so when I made that mind shift in my mind, it took a long time, I realized that it, it's really okay um, because in the larger scale of things, you're doing things not to please the people, to please your creator. Um, and I think I read somewhere that um, if you do that, you you won't be disappointed. You know, you're, you're putting your hopes in the right place. And for me, that was the final determining factor um, that I knew I wanted um, to do a bit more. I knew I wanted um, a different challenge and... I knew that maybe um, it was time for me to look for other challenges because of where I was in my life at that time. So it was basically those things. And after a very tough decision, um, I finally said, okay, fine, and prayed about it. And I haven't looked back since. So here now. Mm-hmm. Tell us about many people introduce our listeners, our audience, our South Africans, our, wherever they are in the world who's not familiar with Penny Appeal. Tell us a bit about it. So, Penny Appeal is a British-based Muslim development and relief charity. And we're based in around 30 countries around the globe. Our primary focus focuses on education, um, health, sanitation, the elderly, orphans and vulnerable children, um, disaster areas. Um, We also look at um, offering health solutions to do 
um, with whatever health challenges are being faced in those different countries. Um, we have offices, our headquarters is in UK and we have offices in Malaysia, Australia, um, USA and South Africa. So Alhamdulillah, the family is, is growing, the Penny Field family. And the, the focus is specifically, you know, you'll hear us saying all the time, um, small change, big difference. So I think the whole concept of small change, big difference comes from people wanting to contribute to society, people wanting to give their charity, make a difference, even in whatever way they can. And it makes charity be that, charity that much more affordable. So taking small change and making a big difference with it in the lives of communities, um, in the lives of countries, and alhamdulillah, right here in South Africa, that's definitely what we're going to be focusing on, which is the South African agenda. Um, so that's Penny Appeal. We also have a fantastic volunteer program, which we're going to launch um, by mid-February called Team Orange. And that's basically a very vibrant, very, very loud volunteer team, if you call it that. A lot to do uh, with challenges, a lot to do with, uh, with lifestyle, basically. You know, making it a part of your life to want to make a difference in people's lives. Sounds exciting. It is. It is. It's... Um, it's, it's a different philosophy. You know, the Penny Appeal philosophy is different because, uh, again, I keep saying small change, big difference, because you you make charity affordable for everybody to be able to contribute. And we all want that, don't we? We all want to feel inclusive. We all want to feel like we're able to give. Um, we all want to see where our charity is going to. So it's a lot about um, focusing on projects, um, sustainable solutions, making an impact, and... Alhamdulillah, lives are transformed, people are happy. So that's what we aim for. So why do you think Penny Appeal is one of the fastest growing charity organizations in the world? Like what's the what's the success, critical success factor? So I would say the critical success factor is teamwork makes the dream work. And, and that's something our founder, Adim, always says. And it generally, it definitely, definitely is a major contributing factor because we have a host of individuals that have come together for one common cause, which is to create change in the world. Um, secondly, I think it's the fastest growing because of our ability to respond to emergencies, our ability to, to do projects and then exit from them or ensure that projects are taken care of. Um, I think it's the fastest growing because the philosophy is different. You know, we want inclusion. We want people to join our journey. You keep seeing in my post, I'm saying join our journey. And it's because it generally, it is that. We want people to have the experience of giving, the experience of, um, you know, being what it is to be in the humanitarian sector um, and for it to be an organization for the people. So that I'd say those are the main factors. Um, also, I think the quality of work that we do does speak for itself. Those are one of the main reasons, you know, if people see what the eye sees is what you believe. And I think, um, well, there are hundreds of other charities that are also doing good work. Penny Peel's doing good work as well. Um, we're talking about building schools in the Gambia. We're talking about building schools in Pakistan. We're talking about providing um, relief and support for the elderly. We're talking about cataract uh, operations. So it's, it's really a variety. Uh, we're talking about poverty alleviation, uh, feed the world. So sponsor hips often. So Alhamdulillah, I think the pro the projects are unique, and and they're very relevant to the, to today's times. And it's also a lot about what people want to contribute to. It's beautiful. Small change, big 
difference, that type of thing. How small change? <laughs> How do people contribute? Is it still a little penny that goes in or we don't have pennies in South Africa? I'm really sad we don't have pennies because, you know, I'm quite getting used to this whole idea of, of the penny. So you said literally in the UK, pennies? Penny, yeah. Do they have like cans or anything like that? Cans are one part of it, but okay. believe it or not, you'd actually be able to make a contribution of 50p a day towards the project. Wow. 50p a day. Uh, uh, in general, or, or whatever. Oh. Well, if you can pay those bank charges there, which I'm sure must be really whack with okay. Brexit, uh, then yeah. Right. But 50p a day, literally, it, it, what, it, what the philosophy is, again, the small change, mm. is that everybody should be able to yes. afford to give. That, that's the main important factor that I, I want people to, to understand. It doesn't mean it diminishes the quality of the project. No. All it means is it allows for everybody to partake in giving. Everybody wants the soap. Everybody wants the um, the to know where their money is going to, how they can make a difference. And it, it literally means breaking it down so people understand that. Listen, you don't have to have some exorbitant figure in your mind. It's it's small things that make up the bigger picture, and that's what we aim for. So small things done consistently can actually change yes. the world, yeah. make the difference. Make the difference. So tell us, why should people trust Penny Appeal with a 50p or 2 rand claim? What, what, how can you convince people to trust? When people give money, there's usually an element of trust behind it. Mm. What would you say is the difference in Penny Appeal? <laughs> I think the difference with Penny Appeal is that we do have a track record. We do have projects that are up and running, um, like I mentioned previously. Orphan School in Gambia, in Pakistan, HIVS Academies uh, to sponsor HIVS Orphan, um, sponsoring the elderly. The proof is in the pudding. You know, have a look at the projects that we do and where they are. Um, I, I think if, if one has to read um, our annual report from last year, you'd actually see that there has been steady growth, there's been organic growth, what we call organic growth, which actually means that the concept that you're using, the philosophy you're using is working um, to give you that organic growth. So trust is a very big thing, yes, but I think also um, we're accountable to people, yes, but I think what we understand opinion feel is more than anything, we're accountable to the Almighty. And you don't want to be messing with something like that. <laughs> no, you know, no. so... I, I think why you should trust Penny Appeal is that we are committed to making a difference. We are committed um, to having our donors form a relationship with us in which they should be comfortable enough to ask questions. Uh, we're transparent, so if people have questions, we're more than happy to answer. Uh, we have answered questions and queries in the past when it comes to certain questions. We want to work within communities and look at improving that. And we'll do that under the banners of um, education water, hygiene and sanitation projects. Um, we'd look at responding to disasters should any of them arise. Um, food is another aspect that we're looking at. There's no way we would want to see children go hungry, so it's definitely something we're going to be addressing within communities. Um, and generally look at where the need is in our country and address it, because I think it's really important to identify more than what we want to do, what do the people need? You know, it senses having a, a mismatch. You've got to look at what's needed and then find the right match for that. So currently, the head office for South Africa is Durban. Correct. Okay. Yes. And then are you planning to have offices in Cape Town and Johannesburg? Mm -hmm. 
So we are going to have a field office, inshallah, that will be coming up um, at one of our flagship project sites in Cape Town. And it's basically at a project site. Um, so it will probably be a containerized office, um, which can double up to serve the community in whatever means. It could be health um, services. It may be food services in the form of a soup kitchen. Um, so that's what we're looking at for Cape Town. And we'll expand... Obviously, as the growth comes along, then we'll scale up. But I'm fairly confident that we'll be able to manage from one local point and then still addressing nationally. Do you have a favorite Quranic verse or story? Yeah, you actually bordered on my Quranic verse just now. Okay, so, um, the verse, Salam, Tola, Mirafi, Rahim, that every time I hear it, um, I just I get the mm. shiver, mm. and I don't know why, but I do. Maybe somebody else they can let me know why. Mm. But um, that is one of my favorite verses, and I, I think again, just that concept of salam, of peace, um, it, it's powerful. You know, I, I read something the other day that made so much of sense to me. I, I read it in, in passing quickly, where it said that we have so many challenges and issues as a nation, as as a Muslim community. Because salam has left our life, assalamu alaikum, that in itself, you know, we, we've lost the way of greeting one another. And they say, what this message basically said was, within that greeting, it, it's, it's dua, you know, from one person to the other. And they say, this is why we have so much of discontent, um, spiritually, emotionally, within families. And for that split second, it actually hit mm-hmm. home that this actually could mean something. So that's an ayah that I always hold very... Yeah. to myself. Yes. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. I think uh, I'm not the Mufti, I'm not the Imam. But I think maybe the reason why Salaam Salaam Rahim actually gives you the show is because that's actually if you look at the verse in Surah Yasin, inviting or welcoming to Jannah. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but yeah, I've got sure Yeah, but again, I'm not a Mufti. <laughs> don't quote me on that. <laughs> What are you most grateful for today, right now, besides being on this spot? <laughs> most grateful for every single thing. And, and I really mean that. It sounds cliche, I know. But really, I, I am, alhamdulillah, I, I can't complain. I won't complain. Um, so just to share something, this, it's just off the top of my head. Um, I attended a janazah yesterday for, for a young sister, perhaps my age, really, really maybe a bit younger than me. Um, and the sister had, had passed away. And I remember walking in, and it, it was a shock because it's such a young person. And, and she was terminally ill, but she had refused treatment. So that in itself was like a hard pull for me to swallow because um, I had a mom who... I still have a mom who, <laughs> mom who um, fought cancer, alhamdulillah, and she underwent an op, um, and about a year, say about a year ago, a little bit more, um, we, all, we almost lost her. Um, it was a very trying time in my life. It, it was a lot that was going on. But if I look fast forward to today, alhamdulillah, she's, I have my mother. You know, she's well, she's alive. And going to this janazah, Yesterday, I didn't know the sister very well at all. Uh, her mother's just an acquaintance to our family, and I walked in and I had this uh, this need to. I just felt like I was going to cry, 
And I kept asking, like, why are you feeling this way? And, and I realized that it's because you realize how short life is and how it's those things that matter. And when I greeted her mother, here was a lady, and I watched her because there was a string of women that were coming to greet her, and I watched her standing in the line. I watched, and I realized that she was actually comforting other people. And I just thought to myself, you know, imagine the, the level of sabr that this lady is having, comforting other people. And that's when I realized that we have so much to make sugar for. Um, so, so much. You know, we have health. Alhamdulillah, some of us have wealth, some of us don't have wealth, but maybe we have contentment. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have a lot to be grateful for. So for today, I really can't complain. Alhamdulillah, gratitude for every little thing. So maybe I must go jump on to my last question then, seeing that you tied it up into my last question, which if today is your last day, and uh, you only have enough energy to say a few words, what will you tell your loved ones? Sure, that's a hard one. Besides your kalima. Yeah, besides my kalima. Um, um, and besides where to like hide things from my cupboards and the rest of it. <laughs> um, no, I think what, what I'd share with my loved ones is um, be good to others, be kind. Um, Try and live your life with integrity. It's important. For me, those are important things. And never compromise yourself. Uh, Never compromise your relationship with your creator. I I may not have the perfect relationship. I mean, I don't profess to be somebody who's, you know, 100%, but I try. But these are things that, that actually matter at the end of the day. What matters is your relationship with the Almighty. Um, it doesn't matter who says what. You know, when it comes down to, to the final hours, it's, it's literally how you leave people feeling about you. And coming back to the story um, about the janaz I attended, I also thought, um, what would you want people to say about you at your janaz? Not mm-hmm. that you'd want them to talk, but what impression do you want to leave with people? How do you want people to feel? You know, how do you want to make them feel? And I think that's what I, I, I definitely want to tell people, that always think about what you're saying, always be kind, um, be watchful you know, about how you make others feel, and remember your creator all the time. Inshallah, yeah. shukran shanaz for, for, for coming to, onto our podcast, onto our show. Shukran. We wish you all, everything but the best. Jazakallah. Remember us in your du'as, please. Yeah, inshallah, and may the orange Team Orange grow. Sprayed um, orange, that's what we say. Yeah, and, and remember our love is also orange. <laughs> oh yeah, sprayed orange, definitely. <laughs> the yeah. future is orange. Inshallah. So Team Pinipil, all the best. Shukran. Shukran, I can just echo what Khalil said. All the best for Pinipil, all the best for all your projects, and small things will make a difference. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. So that's it for today's show. We hope you added value, we hope you enjoyed it. But most of all, we hope our guest is inspired you to live with purpose. Don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.